Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. morning everybody welcome to this monday morning pre-market prep spencer israel on your left joy Elkanen in the middle dennis stick on your right mike mike no i fixed my mic you know, okay. okay no you know you know, you know i'm ha- i'm having weird things because i i rearranged my entire like desk on friday afternoon okay. so things may be a little bit weird but uh I'm sounds good through. now okay sorry good yeah, forgiven Good. Uh, if you had a great weekend, go ahead and show us some love by hitting that like button. If you had a bad weekend, well, hit the like button anyway. It'll make you feel a little bit better. On today's show, uh, we're going to recap uh, biggest or our, our biggest takeaways from the uh, Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting over the weekend. We'll talk some uh, crypto, I think, Ethereum, maybe. All-time highs there. We'll preview some earnings for the week. And we'll take questions from our chat. As always, our guest today, two guests, Tim Quas at 8.35 and Matt Hammond to preview this week in IPO land at 9 o'clock. On that note, today's show is also sponsored by Market Structure Edge, as is every show on every Monday. Try the new way to trade marketstructureedge.com. The link is up on the screen right there. Joel, let's bring up your charts and you can tell us how we're doing this morning in the Monday morning pre-market trading session. Uh, we're in the green by 21 handles, 41.9550. We were strong from 4.30 to 5, opened up at the low of the session, and uh, only got two numbers above to talk about. You have crude in the green by 12 cents at 63.70. Gold joining the rally this morning. That's up $13.30, trying to clear 1800 Silver battles back above 26 now, up 44.7 cents at 26.32. And Bitcoin strong on Friday. Little pause over the weekend, up $1,770 at $59,085. Let's bring in uh, Triple D. Triple D, how was the weekend? It was good. Little RR. Rained a lot. You rain where you were? Uh, a lot no, of rain. I, no, I got to I got to golf yesterday. Golf? How's your golf yeah. game? Horrible. Very slow yeah. on the course. But I was with is this my, the first uh, time out this year. Yeah, was with my uh, my nephew Hayden, and I uh, had some fun. But just for some reason, it was just really really slow out there. Uh, but before we get into all this market talk, we're all about education here on Benzinga Pre Market Prep, uh-huh. and uh, and um and I got schooled. On uh, on Saturday huh. in the in the Kentucky Derby, but 
we are going to turn this into an educational experience, right? And uh, good old Mitch uh, caught this as well. Let, I, let me see here. If I could get the right screen, I knew I should have given this to Spencer. <laughs> but here, I'm going to put this here. And here we go, folks. Can you see what I'm seeing the screen. right now? Yeah, share the screen. Though. There we go. Can there you see go. what I'm seeing? We see something. Yeah, what are Coming we up? What Come on, baby. Reshare it and hit share audio. Wait, Joel, just play the video. See what happens. I don't, I don't think I need the audio so much. Okay. Play okay. The video. So sometimes when you do a trade, you know you're immediately wrong, right? And you want to get out. <laughs> what did you see that worried you here? In, in horse racing, once the race starts, you can't get out. Okay. Uh huh. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna show this here, and I, I've been practicing. So they're loaded into the gate here. The audio is not so important, but here All they right. are. You see, they're in the gate now. Number fifteen is my pony. Okay, you ready? Yeah, it's a little choppy, but all right. We're watching. I'm I'm watching. I'm waiting for something. I don't know. Oh, here we go. Okay. 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 You see what that happened? right there? There's okay. no jockey. My on horse the horse. is still. My horse oh. is still in the <laughs> gate. <laughs> he is still in the gate. I don't even see the jockey on the horse. And that one. <laughs> it looks like it's the horse by itself. I mean, the other ones all got people on them. That, that's there's an no autonomous horse. That. That's he hasn't got on the horse, horse yet. That's good, Mitch. No, he's on the horse. It's I don't know. Autonomous if horse. <laughs> <laughs> he needed some. Okay. So right there, I'm in trouble. Okay. And I couldn't see this in my naked eye. I just I just knew I was in trouble. I had to go back. Okay. So not only um, is he taking a nap in the gate. Okay, watch the this. The jockey's not on the horse yet. No, the jockey is on the horse, but he, he low, veered out. He, like he might have hit the side of the uh, of the gate. But, okay, so, like, this horse is taking his second stride. You can see the number one. Okay, so that, that's bad news right there. Okay, now we'll keep going here for a second. Okay. Boom. There he is. Oh, he, he hit somebody. <laughs> He hits a horse. Rubens racing, high, Joel. He, he 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 hits highly motivated. Okay. Rubens racing. What'd you say? Rubbing is racing. Rubbins racing. Oh, listen to you, Mister. Yeah. Uh, Mister. Okay. So he hits that horse, right? Uh -huh. So he bounces off that horse, and he hits essential quality. Okay, so it, it affected the horse had a few drinks before the race started. A few okay? mid July, maybe the jockey okay. did. And basically, all right, so it, it it affected highly motivated. It affected essential quality. So it did didn't affect my horse. And then I basically after this, uh, I he's right here now. Okay. After that, I was like, okay, I was ready to turn the race off. All right, and. <laughs> It's there he is. He's right there. Feels like this race is over. And this race is so, over. And here's bring it back up. Things. So which horse? Yeah, it's a good question. Oh, I just got. Oh, I just got rid of it. So which horse oh. ended up rent winning here? Uh Medina Spirit went to the top and won it. But where is he uh, in so there? Though I know Medina. I think Spirit he was won, like where, he went right to the top. I think he was the eight right here. He went right to the top. I mean, he went wire to wire. And here's another thing that really really chase me is my horse beat Medina spirit by four and a quarter lengths in the Santa Anita Derby. He smoked that horse. He absolutely smoked that horse. So uh, then the last thing, and then we'll Who move on. Horse to the again, I already forget. 
Rocky World was Joel's Rocky, Rocky World. World. Rocky World. But here, here's the other thing. And I heard this afterwards. Yeah, I kind of liked it because of the name, too. I'll never make that mistake again. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, the the jockey, you know, like when you hop up on a horse, there's they, they call them irons, but they're kind of like stirrups. You know what you're talking about when you jump up on a horse to ride it? You know what yeah, I'm talking sure. about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, during the race, they use that for support. And they get up and they control the reins. Well, the jockey's feet just happened to fall out. <laughs> so he had to sit on the horse the whole race. He couldn't get any grip on him. And then someone else mentioned that the jockey almost fell out of the saddle. So I hope Rock Your World comes out healthy. I don't even need to do my uh, Preakness article because if he comes out healthy and he races, I hope not everyone saw that. But um, so wait, what, what is so you're saying? He's going to be better in the Preakness. Wait, what oh is, my gosh! What is the lesson here, though? That that we all learned. The lesson is, is man, racing luck can work against you, okay. and it, it can work for you. And that trading. is, and that is, and that is perhaps. And the reason I felt compelled to do this is that in my 50 years of betting in the Kentucky Derby, I don't think I've ever gotten 17th place. Not only did I not, I got 17th <laughs> place. Horse was dead last. <laughs> I didn't even get a call. Uh, the only time you know calls when the announcer says it. The only call I got is uh, "Rock Your World" is is ten lengths R- off the R- lead. That's R- a long way to rear. come. And then that that was it. He didn't even mention it the whole time. And then I just boom, I clicked it wow. off like right afterwards. But that's racing luck, and that's some bad luck there. So uh, you know, it was it, I. I just wanted to give an explanation for my bad performance, and it's not like trading. But anyways, <laughs> I did not. Let's make it over to the stock market. That's, yeah, that's why Bring everyone us Rain in. us in, Mr. Israel. That's hard for him. I didn't even tell Spencer I was going to do this. So I, I kind of <laughs> sideswiped him. So, all right, Mr. Israel. That's quite you're a, the producer. You're the king. What do you want to do? Uh, let, let's talk about uh, Woodstock for Capitalists over the weekend. Um, <laughs> we had we had Buffett. Like that. Well, that's, that's what they call it. We had Buffett. We had Mr. Munger opining on... A lot of things, frankly, yeah. a lot of yeah. things uh, that we've been discussing, everyone's been discussing for quite some time. We talked about crypto, talked about SPACs, talked about uh, investing in energy companies, um, talked about a little bit about politics, but just sort of dodged out a little bit. Was there anything, Dennis, that jumped out to you? That, I like the SPAC conversation. I think they made a lot of really good points in the SPAC conversation. Um, basically, Buffett was making the point that they're they're doing these deals under pressure deals to try to get them done within two years and also fee-based. So they're getting paid to get a deal done. And when there's so many SPACs and not that many deals to be had, it's in all likelihood that they're not going to get a great deal. So Buffett was saying if he had to do all his deals in under two years, he'd get a lot of bad deals. So that's what he was making the point. And that's a good point. I mean, it's just got so flooded, the SPAC market. There's so many SPACs, Shack SPAC. I mean, so many SPACs. The money managers are obviously looking for deals and needing to get deals done to get paid and not necessarily getting the best deal all the time. And I think that's really what, you know, harmed the SPAC market because at first, you know, they were all taking off and then realizing we're not getting that great of deals here. And the market now, it's like even when they get the good deals, for the most part, they haven't been rewarded. So I think there's a really good point that Buffett was making with the pressure deals and just saying, you know, that you need time to get good deals and put them under this two-year, putting the gun to your head, get it done with two years. I mean, it's tough. What do you call it? Fee-based? Uh, um, he, he had a term for it. He called yeah, it fee-based. 
Yeah. Because, well, they're all fee-based well, to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah, so, know, so right. The deals are all fee-based, yep. too. But, I mean, the manager's getting paid to get a deal done. So, and they got to get it done within this time frame or the money goes back. So, you, know, you start to get pressure there to get a deal done. So, it, it's a good point. It's tough to make good deals when, you know, the first is a lot of competition. And we know that competition was with so many other SPACs obviously coming, you know, on board and, you know, seeing six or 700 of these, you know, we were getting to a point where how many we're getting 15, 20 a day. I mean, there's just not that many private companies that want to go public. So I think that's where it really got flooded. And that's really what started the SPAC correction, which we obviously had. Now there is some separation. You're starting to see a few companies do well, but a lot of the SPACs, even some of the good ones, I mean, there's lots of Probably diamonds in the rough. You can get more on that on Spax Attack, obviously with Chris Catchy and Mitch. Um, so we're not going to take all their material, but um, this overall Spac market, I think, got hit due to what Buffett's saying, just saturated. Uh, he talked about um, like he likes that effect that he he owns Chevron. He talked a lot of crap about Robinhood. He does not. They are not fans of Robinhood. They don't like Robinhood. Eh? They hate Robinhood more than I think most things. Um, they, they, he said selling Apple in hindsight was a mistake. Uh, what else did he say? I'm trying to, I'm going off my memory here. He sold, he sold, he didn't sell all his Apple. Sold, no, no, just, no, no, but they trimmed it. They trimmed, they trimmed it. it. And, and that, trim. that, that was, did he say anything about the airlines? Oh God. Did he chat? I don't remember anything. I know. I, I, I admit that I didn't watch the whole thing. I admit I didn't watch well, any it's like of it. 10 hours. Yeah. Four well, hours. No, it's not. But it, it felt like ten. It was like three hours. I don't know how long it was, but I didn't watch. I watched it. For, I I I went in and out. Um, and then I read recaps. I don't know if he Munger mentioned. doesn't like crypto either, Joel. Yeah, J- James said he he mentioned the airlines. Uh, Chad, it, uh, whatever you see or whatever you remember, drop it in there because I, I when I was watching, he didn't, they didn't talk about the airlines. So they did not. They do not like crypto either. Apparently, no, they hate. They, they, they hate there was some there was some tough things said about the crypto market. Um, definitely, probably pissed off a lot of crypto bulls out there. I mean, some of the stuff they were saying is good points. Um, here's, here's from James in the chat. Uh, he yeah. questioned about selling the airline. Said it wasn't the best move. Says James, I sold the bottle. <laughs> So yeah. obviously it wasn't the best move, but we thought the world was ending and zombie apocalypse was coming and nobody's ever going to fly again. So I've seen the walking dead. I kind of know what they were looking at. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the crypto market though, we could take it over to that. Do you have Munger's comments from the crypto market? Cause they were tough. Yes. He, he, he gave a lot of hate to the crypt cryptos, a uh, lot of hate. Buffett uh, was quiet on it, but Munger did not hold back. Uh, this is from Munger, and I'm reading. I'm reading here from the Benzinga.com uh, recap article. Um, those who know me, this is from Munger. Those who know me well are, are just waving the red flag to the bull. Of course, I hate the Bitcoin success. I don't welcome a currency that's so useful to kidnappers and extortionists and so forth. Nor do I like just shuffling out a few extra billions and billions and billions of dollars to someone who just invented a new financial product out of thin air. I think I should say modestly that I think the whole damn development is disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization, and I'll leave the criticism to others. Contrary to the interests of civilization. That's about the toughest love I've ever heard for Bitcoin. Not a fan. That's about the toughest love. I mean, I thought you could get into, you know, the energy usage. I kind of get that. You know, it does seem like a waste of energy to be mining crypto. And we've talked about that, you know, a lot of times on this show before. 
I just don't think it's going away. The reason I finally turned from Bitcoin bear to Bitcoin bull about a year ago was because it wasn't going away. And obviously, I bought Bitcoin. I've also bought Ethereum recently. I do believe that there's a lot of love for Ethereum still coming from the NFT market. From you know, there's more use it feels like from from Ethereum. Obviously, there's other cryptos as well that are NFT based that NFTs are based on. But I feel like there's a lot of them that are based on Ethereum. So I bought Ethereum back at 2,200 about two weeks ago. It just broke 3,000. So I get my Ethereum 3,000 hat on. I think it's going to 5,000 eventually. I'm bullish. I'm bullish Ethereum. So I'm going to take the other side. I'm not going to say it's contrary. I'm not going to comment on how it what it does for civilization. But I'll just comment that nah, that's a... I don't think the story is going cold anytime soon for crypto. So maybe it's going to cool off. But I think there's still a story here. So I'm holding. I'd, I'd like to convert some of my Bitcoin over to Ethereum, to be honest. Um, Ethereum has been outperforming Bitcoin as of late. JC Peretz with a great chart showing that over the weekend. Um, I, I just flat out bought Ethereum too. I haven't sold any more of my Bitcoin holdings. But I was thinking about converting more Bitcoin into Ethereum. Getting about, I, I'm probably two-thirds Bitcoin, one-third Ethereum right now. I was thinking about at least getting it balanced half and half. So hmm. I don't know. What Are you holding any Ethereum, Spence? I no, I I'm I've been I've been bad. I do. Are you still holding your Bitcoin though, right? Yeah, I talked about buying Ethereum and I just never did. I've been bad. I've been bad. So no, I, I don't know what to do. Cardano. <laughs> everybody's talking about Cardano too. Um, I don't know enough about Cardano, but I maybe should learn more because when I talk about Ethereum, I have like five messages. Cardano is going to eat their lunch, and there was a lot of people that love Cardano out there. And obviously, I guess you know this is a nft is it going to um, be easier to uh transact in the cardano or i don't the, know i because I I mean, that so. really I if you think about if, if you if you think about it i mean that's you know that's the real kicker when when they you know this whatever the settlement is if you're buying something in bitcoin now that's people are just going to buy it and hold it forever it's not like you go around you know like going to the store with gold bars too right so it's not necessarily but if it you know if when it finds that way to get in where you can you know go get your gas when you can you know your credit your credit card bill comes yeah. in and things like that yeah. then you know then you're talking about you know you're just talking about a major explosion but I don't know where the technology is on that or where it's seeing, but, and I had never heard of uh, Cordana, but, um, you know, you just have to look at it as meaning. And I, I mean, I think you have to kind of expect that kind of uh, rhetoric from someone, you know, from yeah. people of the older generations. I saw someone make a thing in the chat, how you guys always make fun of me. And what <laughs> they found out, you know, they thought I was like a hundred. And then the guy, cause <laughs> Because Dennis, did you see the picture uh, that I showed at the beginning of the show on um on front of the Derby show? Did you see that? No, I don't think so. Oh, it no. was it was uh you don't have it anymore, do you, Spencer? No, but I can get it very quickly. Yeah, yeah, we did a little. Uh, who won? Did the person did uh? Yeah, yeah, someone did win, and Jake and they emailed me, and I'm gonna get him a shirt. Yeah, see if you can see if Dennis can figure it out. He's Wait, a pretty smart kid. Oh, I gotta have. I'm. I'm gonna have to go back and. Uh, okay. Hold on. I have to find the image. Because- All right. Let him find that. But just taking us back to the crypto talk, it, it's it's tough because you're making a good point. Like, are we are all going to be transacting in crypto eventually? And which one is it going to be? It doesn't seem like it's going to be Bitcoin, to be honest. If we are going to start transacting, because it doesn't seem that simple. So, is there going to be better technology? 
the one thing about crypto and people wanted to talk about an inflation hedge, I mean, crypto is being played as an inflation hedge. I'm not sure in the long run if that holds water or not, because I think there's going to be a lot of these cryptos that are not going to you know, make it. So it's kind of dangerous if you're like trying to play the crypto market, which ones are going to be the leaders. I, I hope it's going to be Ethereum and Bitcoin, but maybe it's going to be a new one coming out of nowhere. You know, it might not be Cardano. It could be something new coming out of nowhere. And then we're all going to, you know, look at those as inflation hedges. I just know that there's not going to be, you know, 5,000 different cryptocurrencies probably years from now. There's going to be a lot. Same thing with like the SPACs. The crypto market's watered down now too with a lot of crap. So the question, you know, goes to if you're using it as inflation hedge, you got to pick the right ones. So that's why I like to own stocks as inflation hedges, because I know at least, you know, I can I can look and buy a stock and say, okay, that's a reasonable price I'm paying for that individual stock. I can't sit there, you know, and, and put a valuation on Dogecoin because one, you don't know if it's gonna be massively adopted, and two, it's you know, it was a joke to start with. It's tough. You can't at least you know with a stock, you can sit there and do some financial analysis and say, okay, I'm paying twenty five times earnings. I think the earnings rate's gonna grow at thirty times. This is a reasonable rate to pay for these earn this earnings growth. I mean, you can't do that with crypto, which makes it really tough to just, you know, pick any cryptocurrency and say, okay, this is the one. They're all being carried on story to a certain extent. And uh just Coinbase just isn't going anywhere. I mean, look at this thing. It, it's just hanging out at the at you know, just off the low and Bitcoin's moving. This is stopped going down. Yeah, that's true. At least to stop going down. If you're long Coinbase, you've got to hold on that 282, I'd say, Joel. You got to 291 on Friday. The 282, the overall, that's the all-time low. It has to hold. I mean, if that gets taken out, if you lose that 282, then, you know, when stocks are making new lows, I always say you got to go. You don't want to hold a stock making a new all-time low. So that, if you're long it, that's your level. That's what it's got to hold. I just just thought it would get a bounce. I just thought it would get a little. Why, though? Like... I, it's just, I don't know because so that's what IPOs do. Because Kathy bought it. I, it's just because every day. I, just that's what IPOs do. You know, they have the volatility. They go way high. They go real low, and then they just totally fake everybody out. And then you know they hang out for a while, but there's just there's just been no bounce. I mean, that's the thing that it was most concerning when you just are hanging out at the low of the move for so long. Yeah, you have a stop, but you, I don't know, just a lot of people are that are waiting for a pop on this. There's just been no pop. Trading up today a little bit around At least the stock going down, though. Yeah. So if you are going to trade it, you now have, you know, a tradable bottom. If you're going to go long, at least you have yourself an out, as opposed to just trying to buy it on day two. You know, this is why I don't touch these stocks on day one or day two. You're buying on day one, you're buying at 380, you're like, well, it was just a 420, it'll come back eventually. Well, now I went down to 280 <laughs> five days later. So, you know, what's your out now? What's your plan of attack here? Because, you know, we were, you know, we were been a clear downtrend since day that the, since the second this opened. So, I mean, the opening price on day one was 381. We did rip up for the first few minutes and, you know, blew off, blow off top at 429. But now it's complete bag holders. Everybody who's bought this in the public market, I guess if you're buying the private market ahead of time, you know, you might be up on okay, it. But yeah. if you're in the private public market, it's bag holder central here. So you know what this needs? It needs a big, back. big up day on big volume is what yeah. it needs. That, you know, something like here's a green candle here. The volume was okay. The biggest volume day, I, I mean, was IPO, of course, 
Uh, and then it had a big volume day when it made the low of the move. But besides then, the volume just hasn't, you know, it's just, I mean, it's decent, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. But if it sits down here and the volume like starts to dip under, you know, under two and a half, under 2 million, yeah. million and a half, then, then I think I'd really be worried. But um, it, Spencer, it, it's you, hard. It's oversold, though. Like somebody was asking yeah. me the other day, why did Tesla have the big rally? Because I dogged it. I've been dogging Tesla for a while. But I mean, it's Tesla one thing. So it does its own thing. I had a great day on Friday. So a lot of growth names were actually down. Tesla had a key reversal the other way. So it's just the stock that just doesn't go away either. Some similar to Bitcoin doesn't go away. I mean, every time you want to get bearish it, and I've been bearish Tesla here for a while, it does a, it does a trade like that and it thinks, okay, well, now I got to buy pullbacks. So I think <laughs> just because of Friday's action, now, you know, in 666 bottom, which we know they love to bottom at these $6.66, <laughs> the 666 low on Friday. I don't know why that is. GE low, 666. The S&P low in the financial crisis, 666. Tesla's low <laughs> on Friday, 666. So I don't know why they want to do that, but it seems like those 666 numbers, you know, maybe it's selective perception on my part, but those 666 numbers come into play. But I would say, I think I'd be buying pullbacks now on Tesla, uh, just as a trade, long-term. It's never going in my long-term account, so I don't think I just became a long-term investor of Tesla. The valuation's too insane for me to stick in a long-term retirement account, but you can trade anything. I trade Tesla every single day. Almost every day I trade Tesla. I'm short, I'm long, I'm short, I'm long, I'm short, I'm long. I'm bouncing around just because of that. As a trade right now, I think the bulls, just, the bulls yeah. just took back control. It's been in bearish control for you know a week or two. The bulls just took back control with that tape because it went against the action in growth names, which was ugly. So, But the growth names are all oversold too. So you just got to keep, you know, as a trader, you got it's really the market. That the fade trade continues to work. This is the market. This is why everybody hated April. If you look, a lot of people hated April because they're going with trend. Trend following sucked in April. We got chopped around. I mean, even in the S&P overall, there was a lot of chop. You can say, oh, yeah, well, SPY had a great month. But really, in the individual stocks, we just had a hell of a lot of chop up, down. And if you were buying the dips and selling the rips, you were doing okay. Contrarian traders had a pretty good April. If you're a Momo guy and going with momentum, Nothing really got started. Not not that much. Yeah, the transports with the rails leading the charge had a pretty good month. But for the most part, a lot of slop and chop was the was was April story. And maybe there's more of it in May. But right now we're in a contrarian market where you're buying dips and selling rips until further notice. That's my opinion. Right, Spen where do we lose Spencer? No, I'm here. He's gone. He left us. I'm here. He's like Dennis uh, is talking. I can take a ten minute break. Uh, my, I, I have this light that's like flashing and it's like Give me a seizure right now, but hold on. Uh, here, here, Joel, uh, here's the picture for, of Joel. Dennis, find Joel. See if you can find me. See if you can find me, Dennis. Oh, gosh. I got to blow it up bigger or something. And this this will... And then... I'm going to blow it put it on my other screen so I can see it bigger. Blowing it way up. Come on. Where is Joel in this? Oh, here. Yeah, there's like 20 million people in the background there. There's got to be a little kid in here somewhere. Where? Oh, he's blowing up closer for us, closer for us. Is he? Are you the little head behind the horse? <laughs> no, so, when someone on Friday said I had the number one on me. That was a pretty good one. Do we have to tell you? Because a lot of people got it in the chat. I can't find you. 
All right, I'll, I'll put my mouse. I don't have the best vision I used to. I'm literally like sitting right forward here, like an old guy. All right, I'll put my mouse over it. You ready? Yeah. Where are you? Warmer. 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 Right there. Oh, come on. I'm <laughs> looking for a little boy. <laughs> That's and it. it's in the, in the belly. Yep. Joel is in the womb. This is how he got his horse. He's in the womb here. <laughs> That's my That's my mom and that's my dad. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome picture. I could have showed you the date. I, I was looking for like it. a little five-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah. I was way off. Way off. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's right. Okay. Uh, let's do that's an fun. earnings report. I thought this was a stock show. I don't know anymore. Is it a stock I, show? I really don't We've know. Taken it away from stocks years ago, Joel. Now we just like rant and talk okay. about life. <laughs> you, you want to go to uh, EL? Is that where you sure. want? Yeah, I had a trade on this one. You I did. just covered it. You ripped this one. Let's talk about it. Stay Lauder earnings out this morning. Q3 yeah. EPS beat a buck sixty-two versus buck thirty-one. Sales also uh, sales missed actually three point eight six billion versus three point nine three billion dollars. Uh, so a mixed report there. They gave some EPS growth guidance for the year. They said the EPS growth is going to be the 45 to 47% range for the year. Guided sales growth of 11 to 12%. Uh, I had a trade on this Friday night, took it into earnings. So somebody decided that they absolutely had to own EL into the report. And Friday night, they bid up for 5,000 shares at 320. And I'm like, whoa, there's a big buyer here paying six bucks above the close i'm like yeah i didn't know something five k five k yeah and then and then they were hungry and then they there was like 200 shares of 321 they went 321 and 4800 bid i was like oh they're serious they're buying the stock then they went 322 they got another couple hundred then they went 325 for the last 46 and i was like okay i'm selling some short uh if you're gonna give me a 12 point lead into the report i'll do it so I sure did. Why did you do that? Because, this company, that? because companies, some companies that beat have been getting beat, you yeah. know, so you had a, you had a precedence that you were yeah. following. It just wasn't, you know, pulling one out. It just, you had some precedence on it. That did you, did you lay off with the XRT or not on that one? No, no, you can't really hedge in earnings. When you're taking earnings, it's you're going in. So <laughs> you're in or it, you're out. It, all I'm thinking is I got a twelve, eleven dollar and ten cent, twenty cent lead because it obviously closed at three thirteen eighty. So I'm like, my thought process is one, one. What you're saying is they've actually been hitting stocks on decent earnings. So I'm like, they're going to absolutely have to blow it away to have to take this above three twenty five. They really blow it away, you know. Announce a buyback, you know. Raise, you know. The dividend, you know, which is very small. I mean, there may be a, there there may be a case, but I'm like, I'm thinking I got like a three, you know, eighty percent chance of making money on this. So fairly high. When they're giving you that much lead, I'm like, they could even beat, and it might not go to three twenty five. So they did. They beat. I slept in, so um, <laughs> I took it through the report. I actually was looking around. I slept in until seven o'clock this morning. I looked at my phone. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure to yell." I wonder how they did. I actually totally forgot about all weekend. And then I was like, I was checking the spy and I was checking the queues. I'm checking all the stocks and I was like, "What else did I have?" I'm like, "What else do I have?" And I'm scrolling through my Twitter and somebody says EL earnings. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm sure to yell into yeah, the report." Yeah, I'm like, that's... "I'm like, oh," and they beat. I was like, "Oh, that can't be good." And then I bring up the sh- the quote of EL. I was like, oh, "It's down five bucks." I was like, "Oh, nice." So I pick up the twelve and then I was up another five. So then I come to my desk and I'm like, oh, there's some pretty good offers there. I was like, I'll just let this simmer for a little bit. So I stayed short. I finally covered some at 304 and a little bit of 302. I got the rest out of 302, I think. So 
at 300 here now. I kind of wanted to cover before the show because I like to not be short if I'm talking about. I don't like to talk about my current positions as much. I agree. So, yeah, you so, are, yeah, so I was trying. Unlike, I wanted to cover before I start talking about it. On the unlike show, so everybody else on Wall Street. Yeah, I don't Twitter. like talking my book, my, not my day trading book. I don't like talking about the stocks I'm going to buy or sell that day. I try to just avoid them. I, I'll give you opinions. I got a swing trade on. I'll give you an opinion. But I'm not going to like go talk about a stock. Oh, yeah, I'm long this one. I'm planning on selling it in five minutes like the rest of Twitter. Are you ever afraid that, that the stuff. bidders have inside information? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I get screwed by that all the time. I'm screwed by insiders more than anyone because I was like, oh, the stock's bit up. This guy don't know anything. <laughs> and then they kill it. And I was like, oh, they knew everything. <laughs> I shorted one stock and then it got taken over on the Monday. And I'm like, oh, that dirty. Somebody was so dirty on that. You know, like here they're bidding up the stock like three bucks. There's no news. And then the news breaks. I short like the Friday night. And the news breaks on Monday morning. It's taken over. I was like, that person knew it. <laughs> Was it, uh, was it a Canadian Railroad? What was that one you got? I've been in a few. Torched I've, on I've... the show. It was on the show. I can't remember. It was the guy who was at one company, then another company, and then he died. Um, yeah, that was, the, the, that was the, it was like the CP. Was... Well, that was Chesapeake. No, 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 no. This no. was something. Anyway. Aubrey McClendon. No, no, no. No, no. There was something else. Anyways, uh, Dennis likes whole numbers. 3 212 was a low and then another low at 98.58. So there's a little, you know, psychological there at 300. We had 23 points now. It was good enough. <laughs> okay. It's if a good trade for me. Folks, uh, if you're looking for more, there's maybe, I'm looking at this 295 area, four lows between 397 and 674. Uh, do you want to look at Twitter quickly? Uh, Kathy came to the rescue on Friday. Bought She's over a rescue mission. Over yeah, over a million shares of Twitter bought uh, between two ETFs, uh, two ARK ETFs on Friday, in Twitter. That's what a huge number! Fifty-five is your number. Line in the sand here. That's the low from Friday. It's kind of just a nice round hole number as well. It's actually where it had resistance if you move the chart back. So there is some precedence here back into early 20 or late 2020. We got up to the 55 level and we started to fail that level. Right here. Just 55, 56. It's a huge level. 55 is huge. We got the Kathy pop this morning, helping it a little bit. Overall market helping as well. But the techs aren't out much. So this is mostly Kathy pop. Um, 55 is big. So let's see what it does. Can it hold the 55 and start to try to grind its way higher? Kathy hopes so. But I tend to think that these things don't work themselves out one day. So I still think it could go lower. I kind of want to own Twitter at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, they got a lot of issues. So do you really? Maybe this, do you, though? No, I don't know. No, I, don't. I just like buying dips, too. I kind of want them to board with Kathy. Oh, nice little dip in Twitter to buy. And you know she's buying more. You know she's buying more. Oh, yeah. Thing, she likes so. to put more on, for sure. Moron and moron. She likes more, yeah, she likes to. She adds to losers. We know that. But, you know, Sean made such a good point on our show, too. It's like. She's on to lose, but she's coming in with like 0.1% of her position and then another 0.1% of her position. I mean, she's basically dollar cost averaging into it. So you see, oh, she bought a million shares, but she's got so much bloody money she's working with. It's such a fraction of her portfolio that she can come with another million tomorrow and she can come with another million and she keeps buying. And then eventually, you know, you get the bounce back and, you know, and she usually and she'll make money on them sometimes. So very uh you know it's very predictable that when you see a, a a big name tech stock down significantly kathy's probably going to be buying some shares all right it's 8 35 now 8 36 on monday which means it's time for market structure mondays time for me to 
Kim Quast. There you go, Dennis. Boy, do I love Market Structure Monday. <laughs> Good day, Tim. He's always in a different house. The guy it's, owns uh, 25 houses. It's uh, live from one of my kitchens. <clears throat> one of your kitchens. So, so it, you see, I've got the coffee machine conveniently in close proximity because it's very early out here. I may need that. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, we're we're big fans of the Gaja. Uh, coffee maker right over my shoulder. Oh, that side. See it over there? Yep. We see Wherever it. Wherever you can see it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We see it. That, that machine is amazing. You could you can you can commute in it. Uh you can, you know, make a, all kinds of foamy coffee drinks from that thing. It's uh it's awesome. Tim, I, I want to ask you about something you, you said to me over the weekend. Uh yeah. you said you had your so last week we talked about why uh, Microsoft and Facebook did what they did after earnings, uh, and you have your own thoughts on that. So why, why don't you share with us your thoughts why 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 you think Facebook uh, went up while Microsoft went down after its report? Sure. Uh, so the 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 short answer is two words: market structure. As you know, that's what we talk about here, <clears throat> and I'll I'll show you. But I, I listened to some of your comments there about. Uh, Kathy and exchange traded funds, uh, and, and I think it's a key part of this. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, a couple of interesting data points, and I'm going to lead this into Facebook and Microsoft. So, yeah. the so if you looked at if you looked at tech and energy over the trailing 20 trading days, so so energy, believe it or not, while while it was the it was the best uh, sector on Friday. It was the worst performer of the 11 sectors over the trailing 20 days, about flat, off 40 basis points. Uh, yet, if you looked at the, those 20 trading days and how many of them were buy days and sell days, we measure all that data. We're data geeks. Uh, the split was 8 to 12. So there were 8 buying days and 12 selling days. Then you look at tech, which was up about 7%. wasn't the best performer over the last 20 days. Guess what was real estate, believe it or not. Of course, keep in mind, real estate's two and a half percent of the S&P 500, whereas tech is 27 percent. And so it's an interesting contrast. Well, tech had nine uh, selling days and 11 buying days. That's the only difference. It's one day. And I think people don't realize this effect. This is the exchange traded fund arbitrage effect. It is. If, if ETFs are a buyer one more day in a sector, that sector could be up 7% and another sector not move at all. And it's a great lead in to uh, Facebook and Microsoft to me. There are, there are multiple forms of arbitrage. There is the arbitrage between the ETF wholesale market and the retail market. You and I as investors, we buy shares retail in the stock market. Uh, so Kathy Wood does not. She's going to create those in the wholesale market in giant blocks that average, by the way, $24 million in a trade. So you and I are out buying them a share at a time. In March 2021, there was data out from the Investment Company Institute on Friday. They tracked this data. There's a two-month delay. We track it, too, and we compile it. So March was an all-time record for the creation and redemption of ETF shares, $750 billion of ETF shares were created and redeemed in the U.S. stock market in March. Okay, so that leads into this idea of arbitrage. ETFs are an arbitrage trade. If the ETF is above 
the stocks that comprise it or are supposed to represent it. Then you short the ETF and you buy the underlying stocks. When the stocks are above the ETF, you reverse the trade and you do this throughout the day. These, this is what sophisticated people are doing. So that's one form of arbitrage. And why would this matter to you, traders? Because it's how the market works. And so you want to know when these things are occurring so you understand which side of the trade to be on. And, and we can, we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll talk a little bit about Twitter in that regard too, but let me share my screen. So, uh, and we'll talk about the second part of the arbitrage trade, which is being long and short. And it's much, much larger than people realize because of the way that the market works. This is not classic, you know, uh, uh, the third point kind of, of shorting where you bet that something will decline in value because you don't like something about it fundamentally. This is about supply and demand in the stock market. So I'm going over here to the Benzinga May 3 uh, portfolio, and let's go look at Microsoft and Facebook. And by the way, traders, you wanna join me, just go to marketstructureedge.com. You can sign up for free and you can do this very thing. It's very simple. We don't look at charts. All we do is look at sentiment and short volume. And when stuff's rising, you wanna own it. When stuff's falling, you don't wanna own it. It's that, it's that simple. So let's look at, Microsoft and Facebook. So I've got Microsoft right here. And notice this, it's uh, so microstructureedge.com, you can sign up. So it's a five and bottomed, which is odd. And it was, it's 44% short, that is 44% of the trading volume is borrowed. But let's look at what happened right before Microsoft reported. Yeah. So Microsoft actually peaked here. This is where sentiment was 10 out of 10. And then what happened? Short volume jumped way above trend. Well, you want to leave right when that begins to happen. When sentiment begins to decline and short volume rises above the trend, there's the trend line, that's when you leave. And so when there is excess supply in the form of short volume and investors who are looking at Microsoft stop what they're doing to see what Microsoft has to say, what you get is a supply demand imbalance and it goes down. That's what happened. It's got nothing to do with fundamentals. You know, I'm full of little data points. Here's one for you. So a thousand companies reported results last week. 1,600 are on tap this week. Guess what the lead behavior was last week in the marketplace? Passive money, not stock picking. Stock picking actually declined as a percentage of trading volume in the S&P 500. And the only thing that moved the market up and down was a half a percent increase in passive investment. And that was because Month-end window dressing requires it. And it tells me that market structure trumps fundamentals. So now let's go look at Facebook. Facebook will be the exact opposite of this. So if we look at Facebook, which is now six and up, so sentiment's rising above five, more demand than supply, you could buy it. It probably will go up further. But here's the reason it went up and, and Microsoft did not. Look at the trough in short volume. It's that simple. If a stock has less supply and an equal demand, price rises. If it has more supply and an equal demand, it will fall. And it's that simple. And it's the importance of measuring short volume. Short volume is the supply chain of the stock market. High speed traders like Citadel and Virtu and Hudson River Trading and Quant Labs and Finium and GTS and on it goes, those firms manufacture stock to create liquidity in the marketplace. And this is what we're tracking. We're tracking the fluctuations in those levels. Here too, again, 
this was a good time to leave. But notice that, the, sorry, that's probably a Benzinga notice. <laughs> I, I think it was. <laughs> I, there you go. So I'm say I ride for the brand, as they say. You're supposed to read. You know? You're supposed so, to read that. <laughs> <laughs> so here too, you know, it peaked here, and here's high short volume. But everybody covered. It was the exact opposite. So the high speed traders thought this thing we're okay if this goes up. I think the banks on the opposite side of the trade also said we're fine if Facebook goes up, but we don't want to be exposed to the calls associated with Microsoft. So we want to be short that stock. And that is how market structure works. So Tim, well, we got some big reports coming this week. Yep. So we always like to look, you know, at what's coming up. I mean, it's a lot of mid caps this week. We've kind of moved away. We've got through what Kramer was calling the gauntlet, but we still have a number of major companies reporting. We got, I think, three or 400 almost every day this week. Right. If I'm right with those numbers, Spencer. <clears throat> wants to cut in there uh no the exact number i don't have i don't have the number for the week but i can pull up a chart that breaks 1600 well tim knows it okay so um, right the uh, big, biggest day is thursday Thir thursday 460 companies reported. holy macro 460 yeah. companies the yeah. companies that i have on my radar for this week and i just want to get the market structure thoughts on these ahead yeah. because obviously yeah. it matters paypal on wednesday is going to be big Yes, it um, will. And Etsy as well. So those are two stocks okay. that I'd be interested to look at from a market structure perspective, PayPal and Etsy. All right, let's add them in here. And if, by the way, it's this simple, <clears throat> folks. If you want to you add or subtract things from a portfolio, you just, you know, to get rid of something, click the X. It's that simple. So now, now we can look at any of those. Let's look at Etsy. Um, and, and by the way, I had some... I, I get inundated with emails. So people ask me about Appian, they ask me about Sonos, they ask me about Twitter, uh, and, and I don't know, we may not have time, but let's look at Etsy and look at PayPal. So here's okay. Etsy, um, and this is actually pretty appealing. So okay. you can see once again that here's where, here's where Etsy peaks. So ahead of results, this is as sentiment begins to decline and short volume rises above trend, leave. Then if sentiment begins to rise back toward five and short volume is way below trend, this sets up the possibility of a very nice move with results. I'm not saying it's going to happen because some things are unpredictable, but that's, mm -hmm. and it's not a super strong sentiment chart. This is a much better one. See how quickly it rose back over five while well, you got a very nice price move there. That's price, by the way. This one's price. This is sentiment. And we say don't trade price because price is volatile. Sentiment is just this nice smooth line that you can follow. So I would perhaps take a flyer on Etsy because that's a pretty good setup. Let's look at PayPal. Yep. So PayPal right now is five out of five, right at the nexus of supply and demand, but the trend is up. Short volume is only 36%. And guess what's leading? People are betting long on calls. Well, they could be wrong, but that's a pretty good setup without even looking at the data. So if we look at the data, I'd say, once again, this is not bad. This is the very similar to where Facebook was when Facebook popped. It was about a 4.2. It just ticked up to five. Today might be a very good day to buy PayPal. Short volume is, short volume is below trend. It's come off its peak. Uh, I'd look at that and say, that's something that's got appeal. And again, it's just, it's a probability. Market structure yeah. is all about probability. Yeah. You want the supply demand probability to be in your favor. Both of these are positives. I mean, that's all, you know, all trading is this probability to a certain right. extent, but if you can find right. that edge and, you know, I look at these, you know, and without market structure, I'm just saying, 
that, okay, well, it hasn't been running straight into the earnings report, so expectations aren't going to be as high as they might have been with Microsoft, which was straight up into the earnings report. So, and it looks like your numbers are tracking some of that in there. Obviously, your secret sauce, we don't know. But, you know, you look in there and it's obviously tracking some of it in there um, just on expectations. So what you're looking is that maybe expectations for Etsy and PayPal aren't as high as, you know, they, as they, they may have been in the past. I, I don't disagree. Uh, and yet supply demand will, in both those cases, suggest that the probability is you would get gains. No matter what they say, that's the probability. Not perfect, but it's a read. Uh, so, so let's talk about Twitter briefly. So sure. I got a question about this. People said, users of our platform said, okay, Twitter is a 1.8, but topped. What does that mean? And it's 56, 56% of the trading volume in Twitter is coming from borrowed stock. So that means more than half of the trading volume is manufactured supply. So you have a lot of manufactured supply and very weak demand. What does that mean for the price? Well, I mean, it doesn't mean absolutely that Twitter is not going to rise. But I'd look at that and say, I'm not buying that yet. This is going to, when, when, when sentiment tops at the bottom, stay away from it until you see some improvement. We need to see this trend line in short volume reverse, and we need to see a much better move in sentiment to say that we want to come back to Twitter. Do you like Kathy seeing sentiment cross over the price? Is that where you really start to look when sentiment starts to cross over the price? It's all about 5.5 five to me. I mean, I will buy, I buy, I buy rising sentiment and falling short volume. I sell falling sentiment and rising short volume. That's what you do. And so what you really want to see, here's the nexus. There's the scale, one, five, 10. And when sentiment is above five, and you could, if you want to catch it before it gets there, but you yeah. can say, oh, look at this. this. This is demand coming into Twitter. And that's what you're seeing. This is what I mean about that arbitrage trade. What if ETFs now are long Twitter and short the ETFs that hold it? Well, you want to catch that. And then somewhere in here, when short volume hits a peak and sentiment's at 10 out of 10, that trade's reversing and you now know. And so you say, well, now I'm going to take my money and go find something else that looks like this instead. That's what you want to do. And this is unrelenting because of the nature of ETFs. ETF, there are $6 trillion of assets in ETFs in the US market alone. And all they do is move back and forth about every five days, right? Up and down and up and down and up and down. So you can play that. That's what we're doing. Tim, what about Square? It's going to report on Thursday and it's a widely followed stock, widely owned stock as well. What does sentiment look like in Square? Let's take a look. SQ, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I got, I've got a question about that too. Okay. So same drill. I'm just going to save it in here. Uh, I can search by ticker. There it is. 240, so, 250. Two, okay. So, yep. 244 was where it closed Friday. 3.4 sentiment is up, short volume's high. So this is almost a straddle. It tells us that sentiment is rising. Short, uh, short volume's a little below trend. I look at that and say there aren't a lot of gains, but if you're happy with a three or 4% move in square, you probably get it because sentiment is rising. See that line? Sentiment is rising. Doesn't matter what the price is doing. Price is falling, but short volume is just below trend. It's at 50, uh, but the same drill here. We saw a whole bunch of, why were all these stocks 10? right here, because options expired there. That's where it happened. And all the trades changed. And when do they shift? Month end into the new month. In the new month, all this money in 401ks, et cetera, comes into the market and has to get deployed. 
Well, we can get an idea where that stuff is going by understanding what stuff has lower short volume and rising sentiment. I'd say Square isn't awesome, but probably gives you, you know, three, four, five percent. It's a quick trade, a, sw a classic swing trade. All right. Uh, Tim Quast is the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge. The link is up on the bottom of the screen. Tim joins us every Monday for Market Structure Mondays. Tim, we'll talk to you again next week. Good to see you guys. Thanks a bunch. All right. Thanks, Tim. Uh, hey, Dennis, uh, trivia question for you. Uh -oh. right? I suck at uh, trivia. If I told you that in Q1 2020, Robinhood made $91 million in payment for flow, and in Q4 2020, they made $142 million in payment for flow, what do you think they made in Q1 2021? I, I, I can cheat because I actually saw the tweet yeah, that I went by, so I, I kind of knew, so it's cheating, but yeah. they did very, very well. $331 million is what Robinhood made, and this is for a filing with they, all the broker-dealers have to file every quarter with uh, with their order routing uh, and, and revenue from that. And so $331 million is what Robinhood made from uh, order routing. Team stock. Yep, in Q1. It was tremendous. For yeah, definitely uh, a few stocks in there with widespread. GameStop helping that cause. Not saying it was all GameStop by any yep. means, but it definitely probably helped the cause because the spreads in GameStop were wicked. And you just buy the offer, sell the bid. Or, or <laughs> that'd be a burn. That'd be the night out go. Buy on the bid and sell on the offer. Buy on the bid, sell on the offer. So, I mean, as an off exchange market maker, that's why they're doing it. They are sending the payment for order flow because that's the best and easiest way to capture the spread. So, um, you know, they're obviously sending a portion of the spread back as payment for order flow, but they are buying those orders from those retail traders because a lot of that is marketable flow where it just wants in no matter what, you know, regardless of price. And they'll sell on the offer and buy on the bid as All much day as they long. possibly can. And I sometimes mean, they'll just get they'll get taken out by the order flow, right? You know, they get hit, they got a seller, boom, they buy it, and they get a buyer, and they sell it. I mean, it's just the the perfect scenario is yeah. you know, you're as a market maker, you're just sitting there, and you want this, uh, you want prices going, you want orders going in both directions, and you're sitting there and just collecting spreads. Ping, 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 ping. ping. Joel, Joel worked as an off exchange market maker back at Oldie. He knows how this works. You know, we all played market maker roles in bright trading, so we kind of know how this works too. It's like you love marketable flow. You want to trade against marketable flow. Payment for order flow is a way that internalizers, off exchange market makers get that to get those orders to trade the other side against. So they love trading against marketable flow. Um, if you're trading on the exchange, I've always argued if you could get those orders back on the exchange, you might see more efficient markets in some of these small mid caps. But you know that's you know, a whole argument that has been argued for a lot of years and to no avail. So I've been tired of arguing that argument. So I don't even <laughs> talk about it much anymore. All right, uh, here's your earnings schedule for the week. For those wondering, we've got, uh, as Tim said, the heaviest days are going to be Wednesday and Thursday with Uber on Wednesday, PayPal on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday has Roku uh, and Dropbox. You can see it there. There's These these are highlights for the week. Twilio. Nice calendar. When did you guys start putting that calendar together? That's beautiful. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's uh, a nice calendar there. Hat tip to, to Zanade who made this. But, uh, Zanade, yeah. good job, buddy. I love it. PayPal Rocket on Wednesday, Rocket. Etsy Wednesday afternoon. So here you go on the, the – there's your earnings calendar. DraftKings Friday, Nikola Friday. AMC coming. That's a big one. Yeah, they're still in business, turns out. Oh, yeah, they're doing well. Yeah. Like going back to the movies. We got the reopening trade happening, except in Ontario where we aren't yeah. allowed to even buy can openers. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, let's go to chat. Any questions from there? Drop it in. We'll do some quick ticker time. Um, I wanted to mention that a few of my cannabis stocks got some love over the weekend. Yeah, did you see Barron's, Dennis? No, what's uh, what, what was it, Barron's? Uh, American pot stocks. I don't know where I put it, but that's uh, what they love. Yeah. yeah, and the four that I own got mentioned in the third paragraph. Okay. Nice. Sorry. Which of the four? Give us the four, Spencer. Cure relief, which is C U R L F. Soon it's over four symbols. I don't look at it anymore. Right. <laughs> this is this is to your own uh, detriment. Uh, detriment. Green thumb. G T B I F. True leaf. Yeah, yeah, they all do. True leaf. T C N N F. And Cresco Labs, which is C R L B F. Those are the four that I've owned, uh, and I will continue to own, and maybe even buy more. Um, these are the four. RWG is the one I trade because it's traded and it's got four symbols. If they knock those down to four symbols, got those on the exchanges, I would trade them all. Right, but GRWG but, is an answer. Well, the reason right. the reason I don't trade those two is they can't trade them after hours. That's so. True. I mean, it's tough. You know, I like to trade after hours in pre market, and these stocks don't even trade. So it's tough. Um, and obviously they're all, all, they're over the counter too. So you like send your order there. Oh, am I going to get filled? You know what's going on there? It's a little bit of you know wild west still in the over the counter market. So I don't trade OTC. So as soon as they got five symbols, I don't look at them. But that's just me. Well, they're gonna, not going to have five symbols forever because they're going to uplist eventually. There you go. And, and I love it, it when they uplist, and then I'll start trading these things. So. Very interesting consolidation here. Uh, over the last four, five, six sessions, your big rally, your pullback. Oh, I'm going to try and rally lower high. Oh, I'm going to try and rally lower high. And now you're just sitting here. I'm looking this consolidation here. You know, let's bust above uh, 40, let's call it 47 and a half and, you know, get back and work at 50. And then get rid of the, if you get rid of these stubborn buyers here, let's just call it 42, back below the move. But definitely if you're waiting to strike here, definitely a couple days of consolidation, not quite inside days. S&P's pulling back a little bit, no big deal. We got up to 99.50, uh, pulling back at 93.75, triple D. Are you seeing anything in imbalances? Uh, mixed. Um it's actually, you see a few selling balances here too. They're just into the buy. I mean, when you're up this much, you're going to have buy balances. Banks have shown some relative strength. TLT, which I haven't even looked at, is likely down. That's actually, uh, it actually is slightly up. Because um, usually when you see the TLT trading higher, that the banks are going to be trading down. Yep. I think there was an ex-dividend date on there too. So maybe screwed up. Citigroup, 128000 to buy. Uh, it's kind of small, but they are trading higher. Taiwan Semiconductor, 56000 to buy. Man, they're small. CVS, fifty-three thousand to buy. That's notable. Just nothing major for that. Yeah, there's an imbalances or nothing happening. Uh, one thing before we go to our nine o'clock guest, mm-hmm. um, I've been getting uh, some tweets, and uh, I guess there's a lot of terminology that we use on this show, whether it's floor terminology, trading terminology, and not everyone, you know, has the same background and knowledge. So what I want you guys to do is, if we ever, or I, or Dennis, or Spencer ever use a term that you don't know what it is. I want you to put it in the chat. I'm going to try and take a note at it. Uh, you can tweet at me if you follow me on Twitter, or you can email me, joel at benzinga.com. Oh, but what? I just dropped his email. You've you never done that before. I don't it? think he has. You don't think he's ever- no, that's pretty easy. Bam, coming your way, buddy. <laughs> That's Spam all bots, take note. Okay, I've given out my new one. I've given out my Instagram. 
James. I've given it out before, and you don't have to be a genius to figure it out. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. But whatever. Uh, just put in there terms, so then I'll look at it. If okay. not, I might not. A uh, couple of things. Uh, Mike Bagwell asked, how do you know which stocks you can trade after hours? Um, very simply, if a stock does not trade on an exchange, there is no after hours market. But really easy, just look at the chart. If you look at the chart and you see volume and you see bars after hours, that means it's trading. And if you don't, that means it's not. Uh, not necessarily, because some of these high-priced stocks, the market makers aren't out, 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 out are oh, not yeah. There's out a lot there. of stocks that will Duh, trade yeah, after hours, but they don't trade after hours simply because there's just nobody buying or selling them, but they're available to trade after hours. So there's a good point that Joel's okay. making there, too. But I mean, that's, yeah, if they've got the five symbols, pretty they're much out. none of them yep. trade after hours. There's a few exceptions that there's five symbol stocks on the right. exchanges, but most of them are three or four symbols. I feel horrible because I asked the chat for questions and they gave us, and then we, we just kind of ignored them. Uh, people asked about Avis, they asked about Zillow, Jumaya. DraftKings. I'm going to write all these down. I'm well, sorry. I think Avis reports this week, does it not? Uh, tonight. Hey, give me those. And, and this car. So it's supposed to report tonight. Yeah. Holy mackerel. This has been running for like months. The expectations can't be higher for CAR. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, the bar is through the roof. Do they blow away that through the roof bar? My buddy's telling me you can't even run a car right now. So, I mean, obviously, maybe they are going to really blow it away, which makes me spook to sell it. But let's remember, very hard bar for CAR. Hey, Spencer, could you give me those uh, uh, those symbols? You said uh, CAR, Jemiah, PayPal, and DKNG. CAR, Jemiah, DraftKings, Zillow, okay. Intel, and the last one was Cleveland Cliffs. Okay. You know what? Uh, I know you got your interview coming up here at 9. I'll stay in the chat here, and I'll just drop a couple notes on these and uh, for, for reference, okay? Awesome. All right, guys, smash the like for Dennis and for Joel. But it's time to talk IPOs with our next guest. So let's do that. Matt Hammond joins us. What? Oh, wait. Okay, yeah. Um, sorry, I just had a weird. I saw Dennis leave and I freaked out. Uh, Matt Hammond joins us every Monday. He's from IPO Warriors. He previews the week and he recaps the pre previous week in IPO land. Matt, good morning. I uh, can't wait to hear how you traded Endeavor uh, last week. Hey, uh, Spencer, how's it going? Uh, yeah, every I think we started out last week saying not too much going on with the IPOs and no blockbusters, but actually we always have good opportunities in IPO land. Um, forgot to shout this out last week. If you guys want to get a report of the IPOs every week, I also sent out a newsletter. Just sign up at ipowarriors.com. And while we're on that topic, smash the like button, subscribe to this channel. We love bringing you guys this information. And all that helps us uh, dedicate more time, kind of pumps us up, gets us enthusiastic. And uh, without further ado, let's look at the IPO from last week and the IPOs coming up from this week. Go ahead and uh, share your screen if you can. Uh, let's see here. My bad. Share the screen. Sorry. It's Monday. Everyone's giving a free pass on Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's why I like being on Monday morning. Yeah. Um, okay. So we didn't have any really big name IPOs last week. Uh, we did have a couple that did pretty well. And we did have the Endeavor Group, which we'll get to in a second, that um, kind of plays into the theme of this week, which is conviction dictates position. So I try to go into every single one of these IPO plays with a certain level of conviction. How much do I really believe in this company, in this setup? And that's going to dictate the strategy that I use to play this IPO. Um, 
and let me just recap the wins from last week. We had Privia Health, which offered a 25% potential win opportunity. We had Werewolf Therapeutics, which actually gave a 30% win opportunity. And we had Vaxitech, which gave you a 20% win opportunity. And just because I'm giving you the win opportunities here doesn't mean that that's what I took. In fact, I very rarely, and you shouldn't expect to take the maximum win. You're looking for a 5-10% win. That's a really healthy win. You keep rolling your capital into... 10% wins, you'll double your money within seven trades. What you're really trying to do is avoid taking losses. And to the extent that you might take some losses, you don't want to take bad losses. You keep playing enough of these. You keep your foot in the water. You keep yourself in the game without taking a bad loss. The wins will, will add up quickly. And then you'll stumble into a huge win opportunity. And that'll just make your you know month, your year in some cases. Um, so let's look at these and we're going to talk a little bit about, about this strategy, about how the conviction you have in a trade is going to dictate the position you take and how you play the trade. Put back up here. Okay. So Privia Health, which seemed to get a little bit of buzz in Twitter, uh, in the social networks. And I like being in these trades, but I don't want to take a loss. So what I'm going to do for something like previous, I'm going to be watching what is the IPO price, what is the indication price before it trades, and I'm going to see kind of how many people are talking about this in the media. Um, Twitter really is a great place to see this because day traders and swing traders are talking about what their trades are. And with Previa Health, we got a little bit of chatter. Uh, the IPO price, I think, was 17 or 18, and the indication price was showing you know, in the 30 to, you know, 28 to 30 range, which shows me that there's demand and this thing could run up, uh, but it's not a big name play. It's a software company that does uh, patient management software for doctors and physicians. So this opened up at 30 and had some choppiness. If you're really skeptical about this, you might've set a, a tight stop loss and getting stopped out. I let it ride a little bit, but I didn't have a lot of conviction. So I ended up getting stopped up right up around here and um, took a very small win. Um, but if you really believed in this company, if you really knew what they did, you might have let it run all the way into you know, a big win at the end of the day or even held through to a second day run. And this is where your conviction in the play, in the stock, can give you great, uh, you know, great opportunities to, to take bigger profits because you're going to otherwise play a raising stop loss game and that's going to you know get stopped you're going to get stopped out you know sooner than than you might have otherwise did you let it run werewolf therapeutics just had a cool ticker name howl uh, had a low float and it was getting some uh, you know some chatter so i thought why not play this and let it run a little this one made it super easy because it debuted at 1821 and it never came down below that uh, level before it spiked up into a halt. And then out of, out of the halt, you just, you know, you could set your trade to get out of the halt. Again, when you don't have a high conviction, you don't want to be waiting for it maybe to spike up at the end of the day. You want to take your profits when they're on the table. You know, you want to reel the fish in when you got it on the hook. You don't want to wait and see if maybe a bigger fish comes along and, and eats your little fish. Um, Vaxitech, a little bit more conviction, but again, I was playing a raising stop loss, opened at 1360, had to take a little bit of heat for a couple minutes before it came up above 14. And I said, okay, 14 is a great um, you know, safety spot. It was right around here. And you can see I'm below you know, where it started flagging. And I got stopped off because it just 
did a very brief dip down to VWAP and then before it, you know, eventually rose, but I'm okay with that. I was in the trade. I gave myself the opportunity to be in it if it took off higher and I kept myself from taking a loss if it did happen to drop off from here. Now, a trade that where I did have higher conviction and was able to, you know, I'm still holding my position because I believe it'll continue to go up was Endeavor Group, which we talked about last week. They're a huge talent agency. They own the UFC. They own the WWE. They own Miss Universe pageant. And they're they're going to get a lot of hype. They've got Elon Musk is um, is not on the board of directors, but is a nominee. I believe that when they confirm his nomination and once the silent period locks, you know, expires and he's able to tweet about this company, we're going to see this possibly take off as a sort of meme status uh, rocket ship that we've seen in other anything related Elon. And that will be the time for me to take off probably most of, if not all of my position in this. Although I like being in entertainment like UFC, uh, there's a lot of angles in terms of sports betting and these guys are not going to have a problem promoting their company. But this did unexpectedly drop from the debut all the way down to 23.25, from 27 to 23.25. If I didn't have conviction in this, I might have set a stop loss and, you know, gotten taken out for a small loss. But because I believed in this name, in this brand, in this hype, I was able to hold it up to the day two where it actually broke 27 pretty early, which was the entry point and can exit almost at any time now for, you know, for a nice profit. One strategy that I've started incorporating into the way that I play these is to take a calibrated entry. And what, the, what I'm doing is before the stock even starts trading, I'm setting my limit orders, maybe one up above the indication price to make sure I get in. But then in case it drops, a lot of these drops are very fast and correct. But it's kind of, it, it's the same strategy that people, you know, dollar cost averaging, basically saying, okay, well, if it drops, I'm just going to automatically put myself in a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further to average out my price so that when it does almost every time it's going to come back, I'm in a position to take more profits on the upside or give myself a lower uh, you know, cost basis to get out of it a break even. And if you look back at some of these, these other trades here, if you did that with this, you know, with that, you would have gotten in lower here before it took off. Uh, Werewolf didn't give you that opportunity. Privia did give you that opportunity. You could have like gotten in down at 20, you know, 2975, 29.50, 29.25, 29.05. And you would have put yourself in an even better position to take profits. And there's no real downside or risk to this other than your opportunity cost of not being able to put 100% of your play, of your, of your capital into the trade. But in Werewolf Therapeutics, you simply just wouldn't have been put in for those uh, for those trades. Of course, you want to cancel them. You don't want to get stuck, you know, getting filled at the end of the day. Um, I've made that mistake before. And um, it's just an, it's another strategy to consider, calibrated entry. So any questions on that, Spencer, before we move into this week's IPOs? No, let's get to it. Am I still here? You still there? Yep, I'm here. Let's get to it. Okay. All right. So this week we've got a pretty full slate, although there's some that I'm just going to skip over because I don't find them interesting. If you want to get in them, get in them. Otherwise, uh, we're going to focus on the ones that I see having the best potential. The first one is Alfie. And I like this for a couple reasons. What they do is they have a, 
a, a software as a service, a SaaS, that's an advertising platform for tablets and kiosks that are in public spaces. Think in ride-sharing cars, in airports, in malls, in doctor's offices. And what they do is they hook into the video camera and the video camera is actually recording the people and using AI to understand the demographics of the person. So they're taking video of you saying, hey, you're a you know middle-aged male um, who's wearing a suit maybe serve this guy some financial, you know, information um, or, you know, basically they're custom tailoring the ads in the public space uh, video kiosks to the people who are actually viewing the, the content, you know, the, the video contact and they don't have any revenue, which is a little bit of a downside, but they do have a proven product product in terms of 12 pilot projects over a thousand devices and click through rates over 15%, which seems really high for public advertising. Uh, this is a click IPO offering, which gives me a little bit of, I'm always a little bit concerned that people are just going to dump their shares as soon as they get assigned them. But it also has that low float, which has been the catalyst for so many of these IPOs to just take off. Uh, there is a little bit of a twist in this one that there's 3 million warrants being issued as well under the ticker ALFIW. But a lot of people won't be able to trade those anyway. I know that the Robinhood crew usually gets left out of warrants trading. I'm not sure that people will be dumping these or selling these or taking these into consideration in terms of the day traders who will jump in and play the low float on this. And this does have people already kind of getting excited about it on Twitter for that low float play. So getting in early, getting in with the debut, uh, selling partially out of the first halt, which is a you know, very, very strong candidate to do, and then shedding additional shares of your position if we continue to see halts up and probably don't hold too much of it into a possible day two run. We could see that, but there's a lot of other IPOs this week. And I think people will be trying to take their profits and roll into the next one. The big kind of blue chip IPO for next week is the Honest Company, which is Jennifer Alba's consumer goods company. It's been really, really hot on just everywhere. It's they sell it on her website, honest.com. They sell on Amazon. They're one of the top sellers on iHerb. And they do everything from baby wipes to cosmetics to diapers to lotions. And everything's sustainably sourced, eco, organic. I mean, it's all very kind of trendy uh, buzzwords in the products. And they did huge business in 2020. Everybody bought this stuff from home. During the lockup, they were up from 235 million revenue in 2019. They pulled in $300 million worth of revenue. They are unprofitable, but they do have pretty much everything I'd look for in a high conviction IPO trade. I see this as a two-day runner. I'm gonna load up and buy shares you know, as much as I can uh, on the debut and planning to just hold it until day two sell at some point on day two. I believe that the overnight media cycle will bring a lot of people who love their her products or love their products into the stock. I think you're gonna have a lot of companies wanting to invest in something that has a very positive public image. It's got the female board members. It's got the, it, it's got what you want in terms of a high conviction play, in my opinion. All right. We have some on the fifth and sixth that I'm just skipping over. There's a bank that's a small bank in um, 
Northern California, if I get back to this, it's a five-star bank core. And then Bowman Consulting Group is a large consult infrastructure consulting group and like an engineering group. Somewhat interesting only because it's the only IPO of the day on the 6th and it's had a 5 million share float. But otherwise, there's no other reason why I would I would get involved with this one. The next four that we are going to look at are all low uh, low float IPOs. We talked about Transcode last week, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this. The main thing is it's a 2.77 million share float. It's very similar to what we saw with Werewolf Therapeutics, which had an even higher float. It's cancer fighting, quick IPO offering. Um, play it for a very quick scalp if you can. If it goes into a halt, get out. I wouldn't try to hold this longer than that initial spike and be ready to dump if it doesn't uh, make that spike. Anabulo Pharma. This one seems interesting because it's a preclinical biotech that provides solutions for cannabinoid overdose and addiction. So people get hooked on marijuana, people who have uh, anxiety or um, you know an asthma attack related to uh, cannabis, smoking weed. This is the antidote. So we all know that cannabis is super hot. Why wouldn't the cure for people who for whom this you know addiction becomes a problem? Uh, low float, 3 million shares, could get buzz. There's a lot of IPOs on May 7th, so I'm going to hopefully play this. But if I'm in another trade at that time uh, that I like better, which there are some that I like better, I may or may not play this. If I do, going in with a limit order before the stock debuts and looking to sell really quickly. I don't want to be stuck in a biotech for a long time. iPower. This one is interesting, and I will prioritize playing this one on the 7th. These guys sell hydroponic equipment in North America through their website and other third-party sites. They're already profitable. And a lot of people bought grow lights, fans, fertilizer, hydro systems during the COVID lockdown. And if you don't know what hydroponics are, they are buying this mostly not to grow strawberries and tomatoes in their basements, but to grow weed. So you're looking at a weed stock, you're looking at something that like some of the other ones did pretty well. Hydro Farm did really well on its IPO uh, earlier this year, late last year. They've got growing top line revenue. They've got growing gross profits, growing gross margins. I like pretty much everything about this. The only red flag for me is that some of these Roth Capital IPOs have been dogged by the market. Roth Capital, for whatever reason, uh, people don't love them as an underwriter but I believe the low float 5 million shares, the industry that they're in, the fact that they're profitable makes this one a IPO that I don't want to miss out on. And the last one is one of these kind of curveball Chinese IPOs. Some of them have done incredibly well. Uh, you look at RAS, you look at um, RLX. Some of these have just, just because they're Chinese IPOs, not even necessarily with low floats, have really taken off. They come back quickly, so you don't want to be stuck in them. But I'll, I'll take a small play in this if I'm not stuck in other positions or if I'm not in the middle of trading something else. The company is Onion Group. They do some kind of Chinese social marketing e-commerce platform. I checked out their website. It looks a lot like a multi-level marketing type of setup. I asked some of my friends who live in China if they had heard of the company. They said they had not. So... I'm going to tread carefully that, on this one. That, that's super bullish. If anything, that's just the most bullish thing. This is like classic 
this thing goes to this goes up like 10 times and then crashes down to like zero in like two days exactly we saw this with utme um i think w and w w and w was the first one that really got on everyone's uh, I, radar I, i'm so bullish this stock you said all the magic words you said it's, it's <laughs> china it's e-commerce it's multi-level marketing your friends have never heard of it i'm so bullish right now no, <laughs> Okay, so Spencer's playing this one. I, I, I will be there too. I will be there at least in there for a you know a smaller position, just because I don't want to miss out on the on the ones that 10x into you know overnight. Uh, a lot of these do run up all day, and then this is one where you want to trade it in like Weeble or something where you can trade at five in the morning because that's where we see the biggest spikes in these um, you know in these Chinese IPOs. I don't know what it is. But the you know they'll open at ten you know ten dollars or something they'll shoot up you know to thirty they'll come back down to twenty they'll rise up and then in the morning they'll be at like seventy from four to five in the morning and then they'll drop off and open back down at like forty and thirty and then it's pretty much like a free fall back to about ten so uh, one of the ones that's kind of interesting is FITX that one. I made a huge play on that one's debut. It opened at 17 and then for traded straight up into a halt at 19. And I just said, okay, I'm out. And it opened at 50 and then dropped way back down into a halt. And then over the next few weeks ran up to as high as a, over a hundred. And now it's traded all the way back down to 13. I mean, I don't, it, it, there's nothing fundamental about it. It's something, you know, it's something weird. It's a low float, but it's just being manipulated or used as it's being traded more like a crypto than a, uh, you know than the stock of a of an insurance company that it is. So yeah, these Chinese IPOs, and that and that's the thing about playing IPOs is you don't really know. You know, we thought Coinbase was just going to be oh everybody's you know everybody wants Coinbase, buy it and just hold it. And if you didn't sell on the way up or have a an exit strategy that protected the downside you got burned pretty hard and you're sitting, I'm sitting on a, a loss on the shares that I held um, because we don't really know. You, you don't know when something's going to come out of nowhere and just run and, you know, double over the course of the first day of trading. So you want to, my strategy is to be in these and just try to protect your downside because as long as you don't get burned, you're putting yourself in a position to take a big win on the unexpected, uh, you know, runner that just, puts on a jetpack and shoots itself to the moon. And that's what we've got on the slate for this week. There are often changes as we saw Arnaz uh, transcode got rescheduled from last week. Sometimes we'll see smaller IPOs that have been rescheduled, you know, in previous weeks get put onto the calendar. So I try to send up updates. If you guys sign up for the newsletter, ipowarriors.com. You'll get those updates, you get the date changes, you get the increases in the uh, IPO prices, increases in the share offerings, those things can affect the demand. So you want to stay on top of these, but I try to, I have my schedule every week. I know which ones are coming up. I am allocating my funds accordingly. I'm exiting swing trades to set up positions. I'm playing one position with the anticipation of making sure I don't get stuck in something that's not going to go, you know, that I don't think is going to keep going up that I'm going to take money out so I can play the next trade. And you want to kind of like think of these as a parlay, or I do. 
I think of these as sort of a, you know, playing this one into this one into this one and prioritizing which ones you want to play. Because some of these, especially the smaller ones, will debut at the same time. I know the NASDAQ will stagger the starts of big IPOs, but the smaller ones, you kind of have to choose which one you're going to play or you're going to end up being distracted or not setting your limit at the right price. You're going to get stopped out or or it's going to go live and you're going to be sitting on the sidelines. And I hate chasing these. Once something's gone up, I don't want to be trying to time the market or day trade these. What I love about these, I'm either buying at the debut or buying with a staggered start if it drops. But I've kind of like already, I'm trying to simplify my trading process by taking the entry, by simplifying the entry process. Every trade is an entry and an exit. I don't want to be thinking too much about the entry on these. And that's why I think they're a really great place for people who are interested in day trading, but don't want to have to be overwhelmed with trying to find which stocks and, you know, on which day and where do I enter where, you know, reading charts that are, it can be very difficult. You start seeing what you want to see. The confirmation bias becomes overwhelming. And with IPOs, you've got a trading strategy that gives you a lot of kind of downtime where nothing's happening. The market's not moving in these stocks before they start trading. You're just setting your entry order, your limit order as the indication price moves. And then you're starting to play the trade with a pretty good idea of what you want to do on the trade based on how much conviction you have in the stock. All right, guys, smash the like for Matt Hammond. He's literally just telling you what his plan is for the week and how he's going to trade these IPOs. We're all about knowledge. We're all about trading strategies. And Matt is basically just, you know, talking his playbook right now. And, uh, and, and I promise you, I'm not uh, pump and dumping these because it's impossible for me to hold these. Right. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't own these IPOs. I, I'll try to buy some of these on uh, Click IPO uh, or through Webull. They all have the Click IPO offerings. Yeah. When you're getting IPO advice from somebody, there's a very good chance that they are not holding. I mean, it's almost 100% guaranteed they are not holding the shares. And one other indicator that I look at that I that, that, that if we have an extra minute here is um, you can tell a little bit about the or a lot about the demand in an IPO by at least applying for an allocation of the IPO shares. On Webull, they have these low float ones. And when you put an allocation request in for $1,000, you know, for 100 shares, and they only give you five shares, there's a pretty good chance that the demand is pretty high for that. If you ask for 100 shares, and they give you 100 shares, you might start thinking about dumping those as soon as it opens. E-Trade, I put in an allocation request for um, Endeavor Group, and they pulled the their participation the day of um which didn't really was uh it wasn't the same as the one before that that was big was uh ui path where they didn't pull it they just sent me a notification saying yeah uh so we filled all the orders that we could and you didn't get any (laughs) which tells me that demand is really high and it was a two-day runner they are offering honest company so that's a great opportunity i can request you know a thousand shares and if i don't get any then I know that demand is really high. I kind of assume demand is really high. If they give me a full allocation, I might scratch my head and go, hmm, do I really want to stay in this? But these allocation requests are worth getting into, not just because you're getting the, you might get some shares at the actual IPO price, but also because it gives you a little bit of an insight as to how much demand there might be for the stock when it starts trading. All right, Matt Hammond, IPO Warriors. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Spencer. Take care. Uh, Jim XP in the chat is Weeble Chinese owned. Yes, Weeble is Chinese owned. Guys, we are not even at 500 likes today. This is not a good start 
to the week. Can we get to 600 likes by the time I'm done talking? Let's make that the goal. Uh, please remember all the information from our show, from all of our shows, actually, are meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. This show is always available as a podcast. We're on all the major podcast platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. I think, that, I think that's all of them. I might be missing one. But suffice to say, we're on all the biggest platforms. All right. Thanks a lot to our guests today, both Matt Hammond and Tim Quas. Today's show is also sponsored by Market Structure Edge. Try the new way to trade marketstructureedge.com. The link is up on the screen. All right. It is 920. Oh, also subscribe. Subscribe to Benzinga on YouTube if you haven't already. Subscribe to our Benzinga Clips channel, which is where we post our highlights for our shows. Leave us a comment below. Tell us what you think. And we'll we'll respond, or we're trying to respond, to everyone. So uh, yeah, all right. Uh, Nine twenty-eight now, almost at the open. So I'm gonna hop. We got David Green live trading right now. It's about to start at the open. That's up next. After David Green, we got Spax Attack. They're, they're interviewing Betsy Cohen today. She's a Spac. Well, she's not just a Spac legend, but she's a legend in for other things too. But uh. Very, very big in, in the SPAC space as well. So Betsy Cohen will be on SPAC stack at 11.15. We got the Power Hour at noon. We got Get Technical at 1. We got At the Close Show, Weekly Short Report. We got Ryan Rosbiani. We got Money Mitch making bread. Rail Report, big day today on Benzinga's YouTube channel. It's all here. Are we at 600 likes? No. Oh, God. This is not a good start of the week. All right. We'll have to get more likes as, as, as the day goes on. We're at 572. Guys, that's a wrap. The Open is happening right now. David Green, live trading right here. This video will redirect straight to that stream so you don't have to do anything. Uh, I'll see you guys later. Good luck at the Open. And smash that like for me one more time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.